Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 166 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I'm back after my two-week hiatus, and I come back for a good episode, I think, Coomzy, because there's a lot going on. Uh, how are your two weeks with our pal Brandon Douglas in the host chair? We're having a good time. We missed you. We, uh, we Brandon and I would bring it up every single time. We're like, Tyler's on vacation. He's enjoying himself. We miss him. He probably misses us. He probably wishes we were there, too. He probably mm-hmm. thinks back in hindsight, man, I really wish I had brought these two guys on the vacation with me. But, you know, it's good to have you back in the chair. Yeah, I did. It was a long road trip out to Seattle, just north of 3000 kilometers. And the whole time, damn, damn, I wish Cam and Brandon were in the back seat (laughs) enjoying this time with my girlfriend and I. Uh, But when I watched the Jays, that was all good. I hopped on that one episode. Um, My visit to the target I eventually went into was very good as well. So uh, yeah, I'm happy to be back, though. Seemed like Brandon really had a good feel for things. So my fear of could this show survive without me? It absolutely could survive without me. Brandon <laughs> did a bang on job. Uh, but we have a lot to get to. So the Jays take on the LA Angels. And the third game, we'll, we're going to push this series off to the side for a second. Because the third game ends, the Jays lose. They don't get the sweep. You're disappointed. But we're disappointed for, what, all of six minutes? And then yeah. the news comes out that the Blue Jays have acquired Jordan Hicks from the St. Louis Cardinals. The second reliever that the Blue Jays have gotten from the St. Louis Cardinals. But this is just a massive splash. He was, without a doubt, the best reliever on the market, Coomzy. And it shows that even though Ross Atkins in the weeks leading up to the deadline was kind of playing coy and being like, I don't know if I if we're going to make the big splash and go all in. This is an all in kind of move. Yeah, definitely is. This this really shows that they're they feel good enough about the team this year to make a go for it move because this is a different move than the one that the ones that Ross Atkins generally makes. Like, you know, there's the big joke about how he's always actively trying to add years of control troll. And sometimes works. You get Jose Barrios or Whit Merrifield and they stick around for a while and that's great. But then sometimes it doesn't work and you trade for Mitch White White because they're control for three or four more years and he's terrible. It doesn't matter how many years of control you have because he isn't good at pitching. So, I mean, those moves have blown up in his face a few times, but then this 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 trade deadline with Jordan Hicks, you're getting somebody who's a free agent at the end of the season, so they very well could have traded two quality double-A prospects, prospects starting Adam Klovenstein and Sam Burst away for just a few months of a guy and they haven't really done that at all in the Cleveland crew era like you have to <clears throat> you have to back to the Alex Anthopoulos days with David Price and Revere all those guys for the last time the Jays really made a rental that cost them this much because yeah. the other rental names they've acquired before in the past things like Taiwan Walker Jonathan Villar even Robbie Ray was technically a rental because he was assumed to be free agent none of those guys cost them anything but they they've leaned in and paid a pretty significant price. This is a seller's market. This is one that favors bad teams selling away players. And he went in and pin and paid the price. It was a necessary move to make because Jordan Romano is on the injured list. We have no idea how long he's going to be gone for, how long that's going to take, what his back is going to look like. He had that injury in the All-Star game. No idea what he's going to look like down the stretch. They have all these other guys. You have Tim Meza, Jimmy Garcia, Eric Swanson, who've already thrown a thousand innings this year. They're, they're all going to their career highs and appearances if things continue going the way they have been going. So they badly needed to add another reliever. And that's what they did. Yeah. And you look at Jordan Hicks. I mean, the surface numbers weren't great earlier on in the season, but he's really turned it around since then. Uh, Hicks has thrown. I, he has a 2.16 ERA in the month of July as the month comes to a close here 
today. That is really good. He allowed an earned run in just two of his eight performances. And if you go back to May 1st, he's appeared in 27 games and he's only allowed more than two earned runs three times in those 27 games. Like you're getting consistency out of this guy. And I think that's what's exciting. And also, I mean, anytime you're adding a guy who has the ability to throw 104 miles per hour, that's just exciting right there that we're going to get to watch this guy pitch for the Jays. Yeah, he's. Uh, I saw a tweet yesterday from uh, the Less Than Jake podcast with Zoobs that um, he threw the hard, the hardest pitch ever in Major League Baseball yeah. at 105.1 miles per hour. And the thing with Hicks is the command has been bad in the past, but that was, that was the same thing as Cabrera, the other guy they got from St. Louis. And in his first four appearances, he's thrown five innings, struck out five guys, hasn't walked anybody. Like the the Jays have a history of grabbing guys that have issues with command. Think Robbie Ray. That's the number one example. He was walking everybody in Arizona, and then he comes to Toronto, and they figured it out. So if they figure out both Genesis Cabrera, Cabrera Jordan Hicks, like a few years ago, these guys were viewed in St. Louis as like the back end of an elite bullpen. These were the guys, electric arms. But then they couldn't couldn't stop wise. If the Jays can get that sorted out, then they've added two very good relievers here, and they might have the best bullpen in in the American League. Well, and that's where I was going to go next is this is a bullpen that was already third in the majors in ERA. Like it hasn't really been a problem all season for this team. And then you go and add again, the best reliever on the trade market. And now you look at a group like when Romano's healthy, the fact that in the back end of a game, you're going to have Mesa, Swanson, Hicks, and Romano at your disposal on top of a plethora of other arms that have been solid for you this year, or at least in the last couple of weeks. Think Jay Jackson, you mentioned Henesis Cabrera, Nate Pearson. It's been up and down, but still solid. There's also now an awkward situation here, Coombsy, where when Romano comes back, there'll be an odd man out or two because of the six man rotation. Like having too many arms is a good problem to have, but it is still a problem. I wonder Again, with Cabrera pitching as good as he has in his first couple of stints here and Jay Jackson still looking good, if they have to take one or two arms off this roster, I wonder who ends up being the odd one out. Yeah, I wrote about that this morning for the for the website, and they they made the choice to DFA Mitch White in order to make room for Hicks, which I think we all saw coming. And then Hyunjin Ryu is going to come back on Tuesday. They're of course waiting until after the trade deadline, so they have a, they have a more picture of the forty man. And then after Ryu in the next week or two weeks, depending on how his rehab goes at AAA, Chad Green's going to be back back right away. Yeah. So that's other guy to move from the 60 day injured list to the 40 man. So they're going to have to open up two spots on the 40 man. So you'd think that before the trade deadline, they might make like a roster clearing move. Like we all know that they need to acquire a big right handed bat for their lineup that can hit lefties. So maybe that's, I remember a few off seasons ago, they made that trade with the Mets, the Mets for stats where they threw away three different guys from the 40 man roster to get one guy back. That kind of move would make a lot of sense for the Jays. Or you could just wind up designating a name like Thomas Hatch or Nathan Lucas or Ernie Clement for assignment. That's just the way it's going to go. But then even when you have those spots available, you have Green and Ryu and um, Jordan Hicks, Cabrera, everybody in the mix. Romano's back. Like It's going to be difficult to fit all these guys in your 26-man roster because you only have spots for 13 pitchers. So, I mean, one, and one thing that I've wondered if we wind up in a situation where Jinjin Ryu's pitching well in the starting rotation and Alec Manoa isn't, since he has Oz options, he's the guy who winds up going down to make room for the ideal bullpen. It's something to consider. Yeah, it is. Uh, just one more note on Jordan Hicks. Another thing I like about this ad, again, just because Romano's out and they've had so many guys, as you mentioned, in Swanson and Mesa who've pitched so much this season. Hicks can go multiple innings for you in uh, eight of his 40 appearances this season. So almost 25%. He's gone more than an inning. So it, Interesting, again, to, to get a guy who can maybe even give you not a ton of length. Obviously, he's not going three innings. He's not going to be your Trevor Richards, who is a guy we totally There's left out name. of the conversation so yep. far. But Hicks can give you a little bit of length if you need it as well. So that's the big splash the Jays made going and getting the big six foot two right handed pitcher. You mentioned it, a pure rental as well as he is a free agent at the end of the year. Not to say that they won't re-sign him. Uh, but you can imagine that would be a pretty expensive free agent to bring back for Toronto. But it shows they're going all in. Before we get to that Angel series, let's keep talking a little bit about the trade deadline, Coombsy, because it's coming up here in just over 24 hours. I think they're done with arms. That's probably fair to say. You know, when you have Ryu coming in as that sixth guy, we just outlined the you know potential logjam that's forming both in the rotation and 
in the bullpen. It's a bat and it's a big right-handed bat is what we're expecting. I was perusing through MLB.com and they had an article up of their 13 predictions for deadline day. And this is the one that has people on Twitter talking to a potential Teoscar Hernandez reunion with the Blue Jays. Coombsy, we're a vibes podcast. It feels good to say that again and be back on the show. There is no move that would have that would come with greater vibes than bringing back Teoscar. Yeah, I think even if there's players who might be a better fit, somebody who plays the infield and the out the outfield, uh, someone that makes more sense like that, even if there is, to be quite honest with you, the number one move that I would love to see for the exact reason you just said, the vibes, is adding Teoscar Hernandez. Like I, I genuinely can't think of a move the Jays could feasibly make that would be more exciting than bringing Teoscar home for the stretch run. I mean, the Mariners now, there's now they're still in the mix for a playoff spot like they're only i think five games back of texas for the division lead that the rangers have really gone all in that's going to be a difficult division vision for them to and they're also even behind anaheim boston new york in the wild card race so that's a difficult one for them too like their their general manager was on mlb network radio the other day and said we kind of have a foot in both door we're not gonna just punt the season and mail it in and you know sell everybody because they still want to be going to be competitive still happen but they're also looking forward to 2020 and you know one of the impending free agents they have on their roster is Tay Oscar and given given the way he's in is gone I'm not really sure they're going to be comfortable issuing him a qualifying offer because like things haven't really gone all that well for him in Seattle his OPS at this point now is under 700 his weighted runs created plus under 100 leads major league baseball and strikeouts like are you going to give him the qualifying offer and he says yes and comes back next year at 20 million bucks like that's a that's a pretty big move to make. So it wouldn't be shocking to see Seattle pull the trigger on that trade. And the Jays, for all of Tasker's struggles this year, he's still still mashed. He's, he's a familiar player. He would fit right into the group. There would be, you know, there's there's really no there's really no challenge there. So it's a move that makes a ton of sense. It would make everybody really happy. I, I would be thrilled if they pulled the trigger on it. It shouldn't cost you too much either. Um, I think when we're looking at right-handed bats and what you could potentially have to give up for them, like I know they have some high-end prospects still in their minor league system. You mentioned the pieces they gave up in Roberts and Kloffenstein. Roberts was their seventh prospect, I believe. Kloffenstein a little bit further down that list. You look at a guy in Teoscar Hernandez who in the month of July, yes, we remember him beating the hell out of the Toronto Blue Jays for those few games <laughs> and coming up with some big hits, but he had one home run in 101 at-bats in the month. He only hit 198 in the month of July. This is a guy who should not cost you an Addison Barger or a Nate Peart. Like We're not talking in the upper echelon of assets here, yeah. which is, again, you know what you're getting in the player. He's familiar here. It would provide a pretty big boost to that clubhouse. I think yeah. we all saw yeah. the way he still interacts with the players. If you're looking to not give up a marquee A-plus prospect or roster piece and bring in a guy who could give you a jolt, he's the guy. I agree 100% with you. And again, we joke about the vibes, but I think the fit in terms of acquisition costs just makes way too much sense. If it's not Tay Oscar, though, let's say the front office is kind of... And I wouldn't blame them at all either if Atkins was like, listen, been there, done that. We went out in the, in the winter and we wanted to get good defensive players, guys who could do multiple things. If they said been there, done that, I wouldn't blame them at all. Is there another name out there that you kind of like for the Jays? The other one that makes sense is Tommy Pham on the New York Mets. The Mets have, uh, of course, been selling. They traded away David Robertson to the Florida Marlins, the Miami Marlins. I keep calling them the Florida Marlins for some reason. Um, yeah, yeah. And then they traded her, of course, to Texas. So, like, it's pretty clear they got the fire sale going. And then Steve Cohen has deep pockets. So he can eat money to me to make trades, those kinds of things, though. I mean, Tommy Pham's not one of those situations where you're eating a bunch of cash to execute it. But that's a bat that can mash lefty pitching. He plays multiple positions hits for power is a very hustle player brings kind of that extreme intensity to, intensity to the ballpark so that might be a nice fit um, um that's probably the one that stands out most other than Teoscar. those are the two that keep getting thrown around but what, we, what i've kind of noticed with the with this with, with this front is that the trades they wind up making you never hear anything about it like i don't think i had really even heard jordan hicks's name as a possibility before they pulled the trigger on the trade think back to last year like Nobody heard them talking about Whit Merrifield last year. No. It, just, it just happened. So, I mean, it's hard to predict what they're going to do, but those are the two names that stick out. Stick out. But knowing Atkins, it's probably going to be somebody we've never mentioned. Yeah, and uh, you, Tommy Pham is the name that has been thrown around uh, you know, quite a bit. I saw Scott Mitchell over at TSN.ca had a deal outlined that was you get Tommy Pham, you give up 
Otto Lopez, your number 16 prospect, and your number 34 prospect, Irv Carter, in the deal. It's it's about getting some power against left-handed hitting and hitting left-handed pitching a little bit better than they have so far this season, or maybe a lot better than they have so far this <laughs> season. But I agree that's probably the one move I could still see them making. Uh, they gave up their number seven prospects, so they probably are going to want to deal a little bit lower down. Hernandez, fam. I saw someone was saying Mark Canna potentially as a name. I don't know if I love him as much as I love those other two, 34 years old. So a little bit younger than fam, I believe. But I don't know if I love that fit quite as much. There is the idea that you could just go get Nelson Cruz on the cheat and call oh, yeah. it a day as well. Um, we'll see. We'll see what the Chase end up doing here in uh, in the next little bit, Coombsy. Uh, going around the league, you mentioned the Texas Rangers uh, going out and getting Max Scherzer, or at least probably getting Max Scherzer. I, like as as of us recording this, I don't think it's like official yet, is it? No, they haven't. I don't think the roster move has been made. I don't think yeah. Scherzer is on the forty man roster of the Texas Rangers. This has been a really really weird saga to follow. It, it has to be him having a player option for multiple seasons after this and wanting to remain control in control control over that vision as opposed to having it automatically vested um doesn't make any sense because he would obviously pick it up the way that he's been pitching and how much money he's said to be paid but who knows this is a confusing and weird trade it'd be really funny if it didn't work out and the rangers just wound up with nothing (laughs) yeah (laughs) but you but you'd think something sorted out here before the deadline uh, elsewhere, obviously the Angels went out before the series against the Jays started and they went out and made the trade, picking up Lucas Giolito from the White Sox. They also brought in Randall Gritchuk and CJ Crone. So they picked up a couple of bats from the Colorado Rockies as well. The Angels are an interesting team because four games back of Toronto for that final wildcard spot, also four games back of Houston in the race as well, but a couple of teams in the Yankees and Red Sox. So you'd have to leap over just to get back in the conversation. Uh, when you look at that group, Baltimore, we just mentioned Texas, Minnesota is a division leader. Tampa has completely fallen apart in the last four to six weeks here. Houston's in the mix. You know, they're probably hungry to do something. Boston, New York, you know, maybe not so much, but is there one of these teams in the American League East that you're really intrigued to see what they do in the next 24 hours? Yeah, I think actually it's the, um, it's the Red Sox and the Yankees both. Okay. Uh, the Yankees just activated Aaron Judge from the injured list and it kind of seems like they're rushing him back a little bit, like they're taking, taking a risk, um, bringing him back this quickly, but it really goes to show that they're not ready to punt the season. Like the Yankees, of course, as we know, they always want to be in the mix. And then the Red Sox, they're ahead of the Yankees in the standings, but the word coming out here is that they're listening to offers on Alex Verdugo. They've already traded away Kike Hernandez. I mean, to the LA Dodgers, that's not like a, a huge thing because he's not having much of a season. But are they sellers? Are they buyers? Are they a hybrid team? Like, where are they? And the, the same thing with the Yankees, too. Like, they have a handful of pros- prospects and they haven't really been making those huge New York Yankees style trades recently. So it's like, you know, are they going to pull the trigger on a deal or are they just going to stand pat? Like, what are they going to do? Those those two teams are are, are kind of difficult to project. Yeah. That's fair. I'm interested in the Baltimore Orioles. This was the team we ripped over the winter because oh, you have this great young core. You took big steps forward last year and you didn't do anything. You didn't go make a big offseason splash, kind of like the Jays did when they were coming out of that rebuilding window. You didn't go get your Springer or your Hunjin Ryu. You just stood there. You got like Kyle Gibson or whatever. I'm interested to see if the Orioles maybe make up for that a little bit. You have so many good young controllable assets playing and contributing at a high level that there's no reason why you shouldn't look at a couple of your high-end prospects because it's insane to look at the number of high-end prospects they still have. You should be looking at one or two of those and saying, okay, how can we go and make our team better right now and give this young group a chance to actually win a round to get some really valuable playoff experience as well. So I'm interested to see Baltimore, who suddenly has the best record in the American League, uh, interested to see if they go out and make any big splashes here before the MLB trade deadline. We are going to drop and we'll see who joins us on that episode, Coomzy, but we're going to drop a post-deadline edition of this show as well. So in the next, again, 24 to 48 hours, you'll have an, a bonus episode of Blue Jays Nation Radio with plenty more deadline reaction. But for now, let's talk about what we saw on the field over the weekend as the Jays had a big three-game set against the LA Angels. Our three up, three down is brought to you by Batano, recently named the 2023 EGR Brand of the Year. The game starts now at Patano.ca 19 plus. Please play responsibly. And if you were taking Blue Jays run line in those first two, 
It was all good. A couple of nice wins for them, including a game one victory for one. Let's start with our ups. And it's uh, Kevin Gosman with a really good quality start. Um, that's really what we've come to expect from him, though. Six innings, only the one earned run. Coombsy was good to see Kevin Gosman start the series off on the right foot. Yeah, it was because, you know, we had that whole thing over the all-star break where it was dealing with the nagging little injury, some pain, some fatigue. He, he had thrown his most innings pitched ever in the, in the first half season this year and was on pace to shatter his career high in innings pitched on pace to clear 200 innings for the first time in a season. So there was, there was some justifiable anxiety that, you know, maybe Gosman needs a rest. Maybe his arm's getting tired, whatever. He, you know, in, 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 in his start in Seattle, he allowed all those home runs. Velocity was down a little bit, but then he comes out against the Angels and pitches incredibly well. The only damage he allowed, of course, was that first inning solo home run to Shohei Otani. And then after that, after that, he just cut it down and goes six innings and allows one earned run. That's exactly what we like to see from Kevin Gosman. The other story that came out of this game, and we're not putting this in our three down section of things because I think it was maybe too big of a deal being made of it. Uh, Matt Chapman, you know, getting vocal with John Schneider, we'll call it, telling him that, hey, Otani's the only one who can hit. Why are we pitching to the guy? Uh, Message received because Otani ended up getting intentionally walked three times in the next two games. What did you make of that? Was that, you know, the internet taking a little sound bite or I shouldn't even call it a sound bite because we didn't hear it a little lip reading exercise too far? Or do you think it was maybe something Chapman shouldn't have done? Like, I don't know. There were some people being like, oh, man, if that's how he speaks to his manager, there's a lack of respect in that clubhouse. I didn't view it that way. That's a competitive guy who's pissed off his team gave up a run and thought it could have been prevented. What did you make of it? Yeah, I don't I don't really think I don't really think it's a bit all like you. You saw them all chatting the next day. There was. Angels manager Phil Nevin, there was Matt Chapman, there was John Schneider, they were all laughing about about it. It was a it was a playoff atmosphere in Toronto this weekend. There was three different sellouts. It's going up against Shoei Otani, it's going up against a team who's chasing you in the standings. Matt Chapman wants to win. He wants to make the playoffs. He wants to win the American League East. And I think we'd all rather see that than, you know, the the the, the same people that are that are saying he's undermining Schneider are the exact same people who thought the team fucked around too much last year and they were goofing off too much with their jacket and their similar celebrates. At some point, we just have to recognize that the same people are complaining about whatever they can possibly complain about trying to stir up controversy for no reason. If this was 15 years ago when Twitter didn't exist or X or whatever it's called now, then this wouldn't even be a conversation. Players get fired up in important games and that's what you want to see because they're competitive. It's it makes all it, it's it's completely reasonable. And for to John Schneider's credit, after that he goes and pretty much walks Otani in almost every at bat for the rest of the rest of the series. Otani doesn't really do any more damage so i mean there's a clear dialogue there matt chapman commands respect on the team he has schneider's respect and i don't think that's a it's not a bad thing at all you want to see players get excited you want to see them get fired up it's it's just it's just luck of the draw that it was the apple broadcast happened to be looking at the dugout at that time these kinds of things happen all the time if you go to a game and you sit down at field level like that if you ever have the opportunity to go to a game and sit that close especially when it's a heated game like that like that like it's not going to be energy like that in the middle of may when they're playing the tampa bay rays on a monday night but if you ever have the chance to sit in the playoff atmosphere close to the bench you'll see stuff like that happening and it's not just the blue jays it's tons of different teams you'll see that so that's the excitement the energy the passion that's what you like to see uh second up for this series is going to be the bullpen we mentioned gosman he was solid alec manoa i thought was solid as well um up until he lost his control we'll talk about that in the down uh part of this segment but i want to talk about the bullpen and give them the second up here because you go to game one with gosman and then after that i mean swanson came in clean inning Mesa came in gave up a couple hits but didn't give up a run romano Two outs, talk about that in the downs. But the point is, the bullpen held the Angels in check for the rest of that game after Gosman. Then you go to the next one where Manoa isn't able to get out of the fifth inning. You get two outs from Cabrera, two outs from Jackson, four from Richards, an inning from Pearson, and an inning from Garcia. You don't give up an earned run. The bullpen was absolutely nails in the first two games of this series. And again, touched on it off the top of the show, it's a legitimate strength for this team. And like a handful of arms coming through in big, big ways. Yeah, it is. It's it's really crazy to see. You're looking at the guys that are pitching on this day, where they use Cabrera, Jackson, Richards, Pearson, and Garcia, and you're not really technically using your your big three names right there. Romano, of course, wasn't wasn't available, injured list by this point. 
and Maze is not available. Swanson's not available. So you're not using your biggest three names and you can still get through and put together together a performance like that. But it's crazy to think about going back to our kind of earlier thing we were talking about with the 26 man roster and the new relievers is that despite how well somebody like Jay Jackson is pitching is he might just get completely boxed out of the team's active roster, despite the fact that he's, you know, <laughs> he's only allowed like one run all in all season, a solo home run that Aaron judge hit months ago. And he just continues to come in and get the job done. Nate Pearson, you know, really nice return from triple a after, after the, ugly couple of outings that he had. The one in Seattle was really rough. He got optioned immediately after that and comes back up and throws a scoreless frame. That's, again, what you like to see. Like You're, you're just seeing now the Jays have so many options. There's so many guys who can pitch, and it, it's such a good problem to have that you're not going to be able to fit everybody in because we're, talk, we're talking about Jays are fully healthy. They'll be like this, but hey, you never know. They might never be fully healthy. Yeah. You don't know if Romano's coming back. You don't know when Chad Green's coming back. You don't know if, so, if someone else will get injured between now and then. So it's a great problem to have we're not anywhere close to a situation where it's like oh man like how are they going to fill up this bullpen who's going to pit but they have so many options and that's that again is a fantastic problem third third up for this series win again just focusing on those first couple of victories in the second one they were trailing in that game until santiago espinal hit a big home run alejandro kirk hit a couple of bombs as well together they drove in five of the jays six home runs early in the year coomsey we talked a lot about how Man, a big reason this offense isn't as dangerous as it was last season. Last year in the first half, you had Espinal and Kirk producing like all-stars. This year, they were below replacement level at the plate for the most part. And then you had a big breakout game from the two of them in game two. It was great to see those two guys also smiling because we know how big they are in the clubhouse as well. But those two starting to get on a bit of a roll here. Alejandro Kirk specifically is definitely putting together a nice little hot streak here. If those two guys can keep hitting for the next even month, give me nothing more than a very productive August from the two of them. It will be massive for the Jays. Kirk's batting 409 in, in the last week. Yeah, one of, one of these players going on, a, going on a huge streak would be a game changer because when you look at the roster and you look at the team's needs, I mean, technically the solution's they're there, they're there until you, you, you could hypothetically roll this roster and think, you know what, this is good enough. If guys like Alejandro Kirk, Santiago Espinal, if they're hitting the way that you kind of expected them to, I don't know if we can expect Santiago Espinal to ever hit like he did at the beginning of the 2022 season where he was voted into the all-star star game. But I mean, he can hit better than he did in the first half of this year. And, and it's especially the case against lefties too, where he wasn't even hitting well in that, in that platoon. Lot. And then with Kirk, like, I mean, yeah, like it, last year he was justifiably an all-star. It wasn't like just a fan vote thing where people are throwing his name in there for funsies. It was, he was arguably the best catcher in Major League Baseball last year when you put defense and offense together. And this year it just hasn't been there. The defense has, but the offense hasn't. So hasn't. So getting go on a nice run down the stretch, even if it's just a huge month month of August, a heater like that takes the pressure off some of your bigger bats, your Boba that's your Demir Guerrero's, your George Springer's. The Jays need those bottom of the order guys to contribute. And it's it's great to see Alejandro Kirk turning it around, specifically him, because I mean, he, he, we came into the season with, with huge expectations. Like there was the trade last offseason, Gabby Moreno goes. And part of the, the, part of making that trade is an investment in the two guys you do have, Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk. So you'd like to see both of those players hit well. There's a three up for the series win against the Angels, but damn it, it was so close to being a series sweep over the LA Angels. And in true Blue Jays fashion, they win two, feels great, so many big positives, and then in the game they lose, it's just brutally painful because they go two for 16 with runners in scoring position. They leave 12 on base. They go in the 10th inning when they're down by a couple. They drive in a run right off the bat. They have runners on first and second with nobody out, and then it's a couple of big strikeouts. They lose in a very painful way, and where I'll go for the first down here is... George Springer had multiple chances to snap out of this slump in a big, big way. He is the definition of fighting it right now. And listen, the frustrating part, like you strike out looking in the 10th inning with, again, the tying run at second base. The other side of it is his first three at-bats in that game were awesome. And he drilled some baseballs and just couldn't get a break, couldn't find an alley, couldn't send one down the line, was basically hitting them right at the Angels. He is very frustrated right now. We see him down in the five spot. Again, I'm very confident at some point between now and September, we're going to see a red hot George Springer again, and he will bounce back in the moment. 
And this goes back to the Seattle series I was at. Man, he's cost them ball games with with his lack of production. It's frustrating. It is. I mean, we we've said time and time and time again, ever since he's been here, George Springer is a player who will come through for you when the game aims matter. He's had many big hits for the Blue Jays in yep. um, 2021-22. His first two seasons here come from behind home runs that put them on top. Some very memorable moments, but this year it just hasn't been there. And the past couple of weeks, there's been chances for him. You know, he could have walked off the game on Sunday to execute a sweep of the Angels and more likely pretty much end their season. I Like, it'd be pretty hard for, for Anaheim to come back after getting swept. It really felt like for them, that was a must-win must on day. Same thing in Seattle. He had chances to win games for them there. I mean, of course, it wouldn't have been a walk-off situation like it was in Toronto, but Springer had many chances throughout the past few weeks to just have a huge moment. He just hasn't come through, and it, it's shocking because I, I he's what now, like 0 for his last 28? I think his, I think his last game during the Seattle series. And he, he was hitless through the LA series, uh, in LA against the Dodgers. He was hitless in the Anaheim series. It's, it's confounding. I've, I've certainly never seen him go on a slump like this before. And, you know, slumps for, for players like that, when you, you get paid the big bucks, the expectations are high. Everyone knows you're a, a key contributor. You're like the, one of the heartbeats of the team. When, when you're not producing, it weighs on you even more. And you just see, we see, we've seen season where their, where their cold streaks just seem to, have like a, like a physical toll on them. Like, look at those, those times Dalton Bar show was in, was in those really cold skids. And you could just see it on his face when he was coming up to bat that he just looked like he was holding the bat so tight. And things like this just compound. So we really need to see George Springer just come through with a nice base hit. Just get the ball on the, just get the bat on the ball and find some green somewhere and just bust out of this because you can see the frustration and and a man never seen him look like that. That's always a guy who looks like so happy and so jovial on the field. And when, when he he flew out a few of those times like that, that there was off the bat hit to center field looked like it was going to be a home run. And it wound up just dying at the warning track and getting caught by the center fielder. And he just threw his arms up in the air, just in, in like shock. And I, I've never seen him look like that before. Uh, second down we have from this series is when I was rattling off how many big appearances they got from bullpen arms. I had to stop and remember, oh yeah, Jordan Romano only got them two outs because he left the game with injury. Uh, not good. He's on the IL. You never know with backs. And that's what really makes me nervous here is this. And we've seen it in a lot of sports, not just baseball, but it's something where you can think you're good. You come back, you throw five pitches, almost similar to what's happened with him, where he thought he was good coming out of the all-star break. He pitched a few times and you tweak it a little bit and you're done again. And you just never know when it's going to be back to 100 percent, which is probably part of the reason they went out and got the insurance in Jordan Hicks, not saying that Romano is done or whatever, but. Again, you never know with backs. So it's concerning, Coombsy, is my point. Yeah, it really is. We have no idea what to expect here, what the timeline is. It's not like the Blue Jays have come out and said, yeah, Romano's on the 15-day injured list. He's only going to need 15 days and he's back. We're just giving him a, giving him a rest. Uh, we honestly have no idea. A back injury is they're very, very, very difficult to predict. So who knows? But I think at the very least, least, it's better that they went ahead and pulled the trigger on this trade a couple of days before the trade deadline and shored up their bullpen and allowed themselves to say, all right, we can put our closer on the injured list, even if it winds up being for a month and make sure that we're getting him right for the stretch drive in September and into the playoffs. If there is a time to, to go on the IL, it would be August. They have a slightly easier schedule in August than they do in September because they have all those division games. They're going to see the Orioles, Yankees, Red Sox, Sox, a huge month. So the key now is you have enough bullpen depth. You know, you've got, you've, you've added Cabrera, you've added, um, Hicks from St. Louis. You have Jay Jackson pitching well. You have Nate Pierce and guys who can go up and down from Buffalo. So the depth is there, which is the positive. And they have to get Jordan Romano right. Even if that means sitting out for, you know, the entire month of August, whatever it is, they, they really do have to get him right for September and down the stretch. Yeah. Hundred percent. Uh, the third down from this series, we talked about Manoa uh, losing his control a little bit, and I mean that play with uh, with Taylor Ward was ugly. Ward's on the sixty day IL. It it sounds like I heard yesterday he's going to be going in for surgery. Like his season is in all likelihood done. That was nasty. Um, you never want to see that. I really wish, like watching it, I was like, man, Major League Baseball should really mandate that extra ear flap that comes down. Not that that would have really saved Taylor Ward all that much because of where the ball hit him, but that just sucks seeing a guy go down like that. And a good player for the Angels. They've had bad injury luck this year. Um, Just an all-around unfortunate situation. 
Yeah, that was incredibly jarring to watch. That was that was really intense. And I mean, the stadium, there's 50,000 people there and it just goes dead silent after it mm-hmm. happens. You can kind of see the, the blood coming onto the onto the onto the onto the plate there when he was yeah. down down for a while has to get carted audit off like that's that's everyone's nightmare when you step into the plate i mean guys throw really hard alec manoa's pitch there i think was it i don't think it was I think it was as fast they listed it as a sinker there wasn't much mm-hmm. sink but it was going like 92 miles an hour and that's your greatest fear when you're stepping into the plate is imagine getting hit in the face with one of these things and that's horrifying. I think uh, John Schneider made the right move to pull Manoa after that. He was visibly upset, as you should be, when something like that happens. That happens. It obviously wasn't intentional. This is a pitcher who has always struggled with command. It's not like he's going out there and beaning guys on purpose. Of course, given the context, he would be doing that because this guy is pitching for his job right now. Um, yeah, it was. It's it's just one of those realities of baseball that's just very unfortunate. The thing you really don't want to see, but I think Schneider handled it well when it came to managing the bullpen and bringing Manoa out of that, even though he had pitched well up like prior to prior to that spot, it was good to go to the bullpen. And then, I mean, what can you do? It was a, it was a, it was a scary thing. And all you can do is hope for the best for Taylor Ward that he's able, he's able to come back next year. He's, he's going to that, that he's fine after that, but man, that's a, that's a scary thing to witness. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so hoping all the best for Taylor Ward. I saw an Angels beat reporter saying, you know, if the Angels were to go on a run, maybe there's a chance they get Taylor Ward back at some point in the postseason. But certainly a long recovery coming for the L.A. Angels and Taylor Ward. Uh, there's your three up, three down for the series win over the L.A. Angels. It keeps the Jays in that third wild card spot but let's get caught up on everything else that's going around the league we're going to bring in brandon douglas but first we're going to step aside for a quick break there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, Coomzy, the Jays, as I said before, the break still holding on to that wild card spot. But the more interesting thing is that they're creeping closer to the top of the division and the top of the American League, five and a half back of the Orioles. Let's get caught up on what's going on around both the AL East and the AL wildcard race with Brandon Douglas. It's the AL East report. Brandon, what do you got for us? Tyler, good to have you back. Hope you enjoyed your well-deserved time off, but uh, you did miss out since you've been gone. The Orioles have taken over the lead of the division. You mentioned earlier jumping right to the top of the American League overall, and I think the best place to start would be with those Orioles. Uh, an in-division series over the weekend, they took two of three from the New York Yankees, who, despite things looking up for them, uh, Nestor Cortez is going to make his rehab start on Wednesday. Aaron Judge back in the lineup over the weekend. He did not play in game number three, but that wasn't a setback or anything. It was scheduled that that was going to be the case. He went three for three, three walks, one home run, and two RBIs in those first two games. So promising things for Judge. I know Cam and I have talked about that the rushing of him back when the injury isn't fully healed. He's playing through pain. It comes with risk, but the Yankees are in in full desperation mode, as you guys kind of mentioned off the top of the show there. But in game number one of this series, final score won nothing. 
ace Garrett Cole on the mound versus rookie Grayson Rodriguez of the Orioles, who we've talked about in a couple past uh, AL East reports that started the year with the big club, got sent back down after struggles, now has returned. And in his last two starts, beaten Shane McClanahan on the Rays and Garrett Cole uh, of the Yankees. And his numbers, they don't blow you away. Like he, he went five and two thirds against the Rays and in six innings here, but it's part of it, I think is matching up against who's opposite you on the mound. When you're going up against the best. And I think Cole and McClanahan certainly qualify as that. You also have to bring your best. So just another weapon the Orioles have added from within. It's not even having to go outside the organization to further bolster their roster, but uh, they did option big, big pitcher Tyler Wells. I think he's six foot eight, uh, back down to double A just to, Take a step back and kind of find his game a little bit here. In in game number two, he only went four and a third. Um, and in previous starts, he's uh, went or sorry, pardon me, he went two and two thirds. In previous starts, he only went four and a third. His ERA has been eleven over his last three starts. Um, and, but before that, he'd been having a great season. So I think they're just hoping for a little bit of a bounce back, much like the case with maybe what the Jays did with Nate Pearson, kind of send him down, let him uh, refine himself for a moment. And they called up Joey uh, Kirbiel in uh, in relief of that. Next up for the Orioles, of course, is Toronto. They're going to be in the six for four games here this week. Huge matchup for the Jays. And the Yankees, they will host the Tampa Bay Rays for three games, who just won two of three against the Astros as the Rays continue to try and refine their footing here uh, as they've slid down into the wild card spot and out of first place. They in game number two, the Rays, they lost this one by a score of 17 to four. They got absolutely blown up. Uh, three different pitchers on the staff gave up five plus runs in that shellacking. So I think they only went through five, five or four or five or six pitchers in the whole game, which when you see a score like that, you think they're dipping into position player pitching and a couple guys really got beaten up. Uh, Shane McClanahan, another kind of so-so outing. He struggled since the all-star break uh, through 86 pitches over five innings, giving up eight hits, three earned runs, no walks and six Ks in that. So, I mean, it's, it's not bad by any stretch, but when you're talking about the top of your order, I think you'd certainly like to see a little bit more, more of what the Rays saw at the start of the first half of the season, for sure. And uh, like I just said, the Rays will be in New York for three versus the Yankees and rounding out the Boston Red Sox continue to kind of claw their way into the mix and teetering on the fence of what they're going to do at the deadline here tomorrow. They lose two of three out in San Francisco. They won the first game, and then when they lost in game two, that broke a five-game winning streak for the Bo Sox. Uh, This coming off three straight National League opponents, so kind of nice little break from the grind of must-win games for the Red Sox because you're not giving, even if you lose, you're not giving up games to to teams chasing you or teams you're chasing down. Uh, Right-hand relief pitcher Holy Rodriguez, he was placed on the 15-day IL. He's missed a lot of time this season, so it's kind of more of the same. Uh, but good news coming for Boston is Chris Sale is to start his rehab assignment here on Tuesday in AAA in Worcester and then uh, scheduled to go again on Sunday. So a return seemingly imminent for uh, ace Chris Sale and the Red Sox. Yeah. They will continue their West Coast road trip with three games in Seattle here. You you guys started the show talking a lot about trade deadline stuff. The every other team in the American League, at least the contenders, have have made additions. You, you talked about the Angels. Going for it, adding Crone, Grichuk, Giolito, Texas with Scherger, Scherzer, Montgomery, Stratton, and even Houston. They added in uh, pitcher Kendall Graveman as well. Outside of the the Blue Jays, no other team in this division has done anything yet, uh, apart from the Bo Sox trading away Kiki Hernandez, which, like you said, Cam, is kind of a bit of a nothing move, really, when it's all when it's all put into perspective. So. I'm I'm going to be keeping a very close watch on these four teams in particular over the next 24 plus hours because you said it, Tyler. The Orioles seem like they got to do something. Their, their bullpen has has been kind of their one weaker point, uh, and if they can d- make some additions there, and in terms of sacrificing some of their organizational depth, I think you got to pull the trigger. Especially when you see a team like the Angels making a go for it, you can't sit back and let them kind of take the spotlight away when you're first place in the division. And, and yeah. certainly ahead of schedule when you're looking at maybe their long-term plan. So uh, that uh, here, before I pop out, I'll just quickly throw up our standings as they currently stand. And uh, yeah, Baltimore giving themselves a bit of separation atop the division game and a half. Uh, Toronto only five and a half back still a division. So still within reach if they can go on a little bit of a, a heater here and with a lot of divisional opponents coming up, particularly the Orioles and Red Sox in immediate succession, chance to make some moves for the Blue Jays. Uh, and then you still have the sad state of the New York Yankees toiling down 
in fifth place, but not out of it by any stretch. Only three and a half out of a final wildcard spot. You talk about how much the Jays are playing divisional opponents here. Seven of their next 24, 25 are against the Baltimore Orioles alone. Also, they end the season with six of their final nine games against the Tampa Bay Rays. Like it sounds weird to say, but the Jays to an extent do kind of control their own fate in this race, Coombsy, because if you win those head to heads, you're setting yourself up perfectly. Yeah, you are. I mean, they're, they're right there. They can't, they can't go ahead and overtake mm-hmm. Baltimore in the series, no matter what happens. And the four that coming up in Toronto, but you see Baltimore enough times, you see Tampa enough times down the stretch that if you do really well here, then you never know. And I mean, that's been the story all year. They can't beat the ALE. So let's see if the post deadline version of the Blue Jays can do so. Thanks, Brandon. You bet, guys. There you go. There's uh, Brandon Douglas with the AL East report. And again, he'll be back with us to do a little uh, deadline recap when things all wrap up. Uh, four games against the Baltimore Orioles. It does not get bigger than four games in your home park against the team you are chasing at the top of your division. Uh, tonight, it is going to be Chris Bassett versus Kyle Gibson. And then Tuesday, Coombsy Hunjin Ryu makes his return to the mound at the Dome. It is going to be awesome to see this guy pitching for the Jays because 12 months ago, we thought there's no shot he's pitching again for the Toronto Blue Jays. We'd kind of written him off, even if that maybe would have been a little bit foolish, but it'll be great to see him just back in the mix for the Jays. Yeah, we did. I'll be totally honest. I remember I, I wrote a post for the website last year where I was talking about Ryu's injury, and I was like, you know what? This guy's probably never going to pitch again for the Blue Jays, not just for the Blue Jays, but in Major League Baseball again. I just completely written him off, and the whole crux of the post was, you know what? Despite the injury, this was a it was a worthwhile signing. They did well. He led them to the playoffs that one year in the COVID season. Uh, he was a great, great veteran to him. But now here we are. Like it's it's just over a year after he had Tommy John in mid June last season. So it's thirteen and a half months that he's back in the mix and he's going to make a huge start for the Jays. Second game of their series against Baltimore. Um, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. It's cool that he gets to do this in front of the home crowd. Yeah, he's going to get a huge, huge round of applause from from Blue Jays fans when he's back. It'll be it's a it's a big game and it'll be it'll be like a hell of an atmosphere for you. pitching pitching well, dealing, he's striking guys out, painting his corners. Then the, the crowd's going to go nuts. I wonder how much leash John Schneider gives him as well. We've seen with a guy like Kikuchi, as soon as he gets into the smallest bit of trouble, his third time through the order, he's done. Like if it's a walk, if it's a base runner, the guy could reach on an air and Kikuchi's done his third time through. I wonder if it's a similar approach with Ryu, not because they don't trust him, but more because he hasn't pitched in a very long time at the major league level. So that'll be one thing I'm watching in that start, but it'll be awesome to see the crowd kind of react to Ryu returning. Uh, Speaking of Kikuchi, he goes in game three against Grayson Rodriguez, whose ERA is north of six on the year, but he is coming off. A very good start against the Yankees, as Brandon said. Six and a third, only three hits, no earned runs in his start before that against Tampa. He went five and two thirds and only allowed two earned runs to the Rays. So maybe a young arm who's starting to find his way a little bit more at the major league level. I don't think that's a start again, even because of even with his ERA at 6.21. The Jays cannot take that guy lightly. That just screams a young arm who's going to come dominate them for seven innings. No, oh, that's happened a million times. There's, yeah. there's, there's, there's so many instances where the Jays go up against so and so's number three prospect whose ERA is ten, and then he throws, you know, a master class. That that that's that's very up for the Jays. So need another good Yusei Kikuchi start. He's putting together one of his best runs as a Blue Jay right now. Pitched well against the Dodge. Pitched well in Seattle. So I mean, we're at a point now where we're not looking at Yusei Kikuchi starts and thinking, uh oh, we're like, yeah, you know what? Six innings, quality start. Sure, that seems realistic. Kevin Gosman will go in game four for the Blue Jays. But tonight, like I said, Bassett on the bump. They will look to get off on the right foot. The Jays minus 133 on the money line tonight in game one, courtesy of our friends at Botano. A juicy plus 142 if you like them to win by two or more runs. And I might be taking a peek at that Chris Bassett strikeout prop. We'll see if uh, if Seabass has his best stuff tonight for the Blue Jays. Big, big series. Like I said, seven times against the Orioles, they'll go head to head between now and August 24th. That is a lot of important baseball here. Brandon mentioned a series against the Red Sox this weekend as well. If there was ever a time to go on a, we'll call it a season defining hot streak. This, this is the seven days to do it, Cam. Uh, give me a little prediction here against the Orioles. Give me a standout performer for the Jays and how many of these four games you think they win. 
Hmm, that's interesting. I, I think they have to win three of four to remain realistically in the conversation to win the division. If they just split the series two and two or Baltimore wins three games here, games here, then I don't think we can really look at the AL East winning the division as a possibility. But I think the Jays will bear down here and get three wins. I think the big performances are going to see a solid start from Ryu when he comes back. I don't know if it's going to be deep, but I think it's going to be five, qual- five good innings, something like that. And I think we're also going to see the breakthrough of George Springer here too. I think he's going to come out of a slump and pick up a huge hit in this series. And I also think that we're going to see Jordan Hicks come in in his first appearance as a Blue Jay and throw something like 100 and 103 pipe and everyone's going to be like, holy shit, people are going to go nuts. It's going to be it's going to be very exciting. I was going to say that. I was going to say Hicks is going to be fired up coming out of the bullpen for the first time yeah. and get one to like 103, 104, and we'll all be losing our collective minds yep. on Twitter. For a standout performer, I'm going to go with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think this guy, due to hit a long ball here, he had a couple in Seattle. That was awesome. But now, just again, one in his last 28 ABs. I think Vladdy is due for a big big dinger in this series. So I'll go with Guerrero Jr. as my standout performer. And ah, why not? I'll agree with you. Three of four for the Toronto Blue Jays. And I'm going to say they win in walk-off fashion in at least one of them. There's our predictions. You can have yours by going to botano.ca. Umzi, you enjoy this four-game set. And we won't talk again later in the week. We'll talk again tomorrow or maybe Wednesday when we recap the MLB trade deadline. Chat with you then. Best wishes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.